1: This episode is sponsored by Mudstack. Mudstack is the only asset management and collaboration platform custom built for games to use and digital artists. So level up your game art and your art game with Mudstack. Are you frustrated with convoluted folder hierarchies and naming conventions that make finding assets a pain? Do you hate using version control software that was built for software engineers instead of you an artist? Are you also annoyed with late feedback that forces you to throw away hours and hours of work? We've all been there. Finally, there's a solution built for you, the artist. Mudstack is the only digital asset management, version control, and review platform custom built for artists and game studios. Get started for free in just a few minutes at Mudstack.com. That's M-U-D-S-T-A-C-K.com. Hey guys, here's the deal. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world. They offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. When I was a kid, I thought it was weird and it was embarrassing that I was doing maintenance down there. And in a long time, I felt like I had to hide the fact that things were getting a bit hairy. But now I am glad I live in the world. That Manscaped is widely being celebrated as a way for us to, us men, to kind of get ourselves in check, be organized, and be our best self down there. So, right now, Manscaped has just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. So, imagine shaving with a super sleek, well designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I went for a trial run and it was refreshing. And your your spouse and partner can only be jumping with joy, knowing that you are taking care of yourself and in turn, taking care of your partner or spouse. What's cool about the trimmer, it has a 4,000K LED light that you can turn on when in use to help you navigate down that jungle of yours and make sure that you're getting it in all the right places and crevices. Additional guards so that you can get the perfect length from your trimmer. Some people, like myself, just like a little maintenance, right? a little off the top, and others, probably Ray, Would probably go all the way down to the skin level, which is completely fine. It's whatever your preferences are. So, there's different sizes for guard lengths that is available for the lawnmower 4.0. So, guys, do yourself a favor. Stop trimming with the same trimmer that you use in your face as for your balls. Hygienically, disgusting. Ethically, I get it. (laughs) If it's something that you've been wanting to try, Now's your chance to do it. You can get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code GDU at manscaped.com. Again, it's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Get 20% off and be a better you with the code G-D-U. Your balls will thank you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am your host, Brandon Pham. And with me, a special guest, Cooley Callahan. How are you doing, Cooley? Hey, Brandon. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. So this is the part of the podcast where I ask our guests, which is yourself, to introduce yourself to our listeners out there, who you are, where you've been, where
0: you at, where you're heading. Yeah, I uh, like I said, my name's Cooley Callahan. I've been uh, an environment artist in the games industry for about 10 years now. Um, got my start at Bungie, working on Destiny. Um, I helped ship um, Destiny 1 through um, the season of the Drifter, um, where I was um, an environment lead on the Gambit game mode, and I worked closely with... Um, The live team there to build more maps and ship the Gambit Prime mode as well. Um, And then that was right before I went to Polyarch where um, I'm still an artist, but um, I'm working in a much, uh, much more broader sense. And I'm working on Moss Book 2 and I've been at Polyarch for about two years now.
1: Awesome, man. So, uh, we'll, we'll start from the beginning, right? So, one of the biggest shifts and we're no strangers to the boss. We had uh, Richard on many times. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll ask a similar question because, you know, going from a big studio, it's one of like at least coming out of college is one of our biggest goals. You know, it's it's our north light, right? Uh, where it seems to be the end all be all but once we get there there always seems to be all right what's next and a lot of veterans that i see such as yourself is we kind of go smaller (laughs) yeah Uh, and uh kind of if you don't mind talk about that transition Mm -hmm. and the decision making wasn't an easy one because a lot of x bunch of guys are leaving to Mm -hmm. form polyarc uh what was that Mm -hmm. situation like
0: Um, it was an easy personal decision, but a difficult, uh, career decision. Um, I loved working at Bungie so much and, uh, made some great friends there. I have tons of friends that I still see there. And so I, I really did enjoy my time at Bungie. I think for me, it was more about personal growth. Um, I felt, um, like I had learned a lot in the realm of level design and environment art, but there were other parts of game development that I was really interested in, especially design. Um, I'd really like to branch out and, um, and be more of a a classic level designer. Um, I think that, uh, you know, typically, um, in, in some cases, you know, the, the discipline is split up between the artist and the designer and, um, I'm definitely interested in, in um, you know, experiential game development in that you know, it's focused on player experience, and I think um, level design and encounters in gameplay are so integral together, right? Like they, yeah. they really, um, I think, are best when they're thought about at the same time. So um, I want to you know, grow myself so that I can do more of that and, and advance my ability to create gameplay experiences, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, I'm an environment art guy too. So, before going to in the industry, it was kind of like, you know, your mod and Counter-Strike and a lot of the old traditional studios are kind of set up that way. The designer was the environment artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when these games got bigger and we're working on bigger and bigger franchises, it's like... Different parts of it get split up. I didn't. I just thought everyone 3D modeled their own levels at one point, right? It's like no, nope, that's a whole separate job too, right? Uh, and then within that, it's like oh, the texture guy does all the texture stuff, uh, mm-hmm. hands off, right? And it's like you just stay in the editor, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like so, like it, it got more and more split. And I, I completely yeah. empathize, like the uh, there's a loss of the fullness of level making that mm-hmm. uh, that have only gone to that direction, at least in the AAA space, right? So, I'm assuming the appeal was because now you have more of a combined role. So, you guys don't... Mm-hmm. So, how does it work in that way? Is it just a, a creative uh, director kind of has an idea and you come back with some blockouts and you play tests? How, do, how does that usually go about in your new workflow or
0: your second time around <laughs> doing this work? Yeah, it's it's quite similar. Um I think it all starts with, um, you know, it starts with an idea of, all right, what are we going to be accomplishing in the space? Um, I did have to, you know, really pivot from um, thinking about open world uh, FPS games right. um, to, you know, moss dioramas. Um, and that was a really interesting challenge, uh, much more challenging than I expected it to be. Um, you know, it's, getting small things right is, is really hard um, because there's so many, like it's, you can move something, you know, uh, 50 units in the editor and, and it feels wrong and you right. don't necessarily know why. Um, and so um, yeah, I think it, to be clear, like there's nothing wrong with um, loving 3d modeling and loving texturing and the the craft right i think that's really what it is it's like the craft has exploded and the quality of game art today especially like i mean we could all just drool over last of us and naughty dogs environments all day but they're they're masters and they have um you know a pipeline that is you know i don't want to say siloed but they've got a lot of specialists and um and it's actually the opposite of siloed because they all are so in tune with each other, like if something's not right and the, the artist you know adds a wood plank or something that you know breaks an animation i'm sure there's a <laughs> I'm sure there's a conversation about that um, and so uh, you still need to be able to communicate and facilitate that communication and on big teams, you know it's like that's entire that's your entire career there's like a whole group of people who just do. Coordination and and um, and it's not just producers either, right? It's like leads and you know test. Um, you know the communication cost goes way up, and so um, something that's nice about the small scale is it's almost like um, you know we we obviously are communicating a bunch. Hi peanut, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we're obviously communicating a bunch, but there are things that happen that it's kind of cool. It's like we almost don't need to communicate about everything we have rituals we have sort of like a, a um you know a structure that catches a lot of things that um, might otherwise go uncaught so like even just today in our stand up we were talking like hey we've got this blocker it's blocking audio um you know and and Josh, our design lead was like, "Oh, shoot, let me jump on that," and <laughs> Rick was like, "Ah, Doug already got it. <laughs> uh, he already picked that up and and took care of it, and it's like, yeah, that's like delegation doesn't actually have to come from the discipline leads all the time, right like they um they can um you know sort of they, they don't need to spend all their time doing that. They spend a lot of time in meetings already um yeah. and and thoughtfully delegating tasks is you know takes a lot of energy." Um, and Josh is such a gifted designer and developer. Like we want him to be making as much content as as he can without you know getting burnt out or overloaded. Um, and so there's this almost like unspoken, we've got each other's back sort of vibe, which I really like. Um, it feels like a um, a tight knit crew of people who you know we're, we're getting to know each other. We've you know we've um, a lot of new people have been hired over COVID. Um, mm-hmm and we haven't met everybody in person yet, but we're hitting our stride and it's feeling pretty good. Right.
1: Right. Uh, This might be getting into the weeds of stuff, but like kind of going back to, um, diorama, uh, environment art versus, you know, traditional first person shooter. Environment. I would love to kind of mm-hmm. kind of highlight the differences. uh I haven't totally. worked on a diorama scene. Like, is there like a certain game that you would compare that it's more closely to Moss, so that the people can kind mm-hmm. of get, wrap their head around? What, what do you mean, like where these sets have to be so exact and and detailed?
0: Um, it's. I'm having a hard time drawing a parallel in uh, traditional 2D media. Um, I really think it's a, it's a VR specific VR challenge, specific. right? Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the brilliant designs about Moss that I loved when I you know, first played it, um, is a, um, index on comfort. And so you're seated and you're, you know, what you can interact with in the game world is your arms, right? Like you can't run, you can't jump. Um, I mean, maybe quill can move around and kind of push that boundary a little bit, um, but when you've got, you know, a, a device that's literally as big as a loaf of bread, and you're moving it from one side of the table to the other, and you want another device in the in the room at the same time, getting those two pieces to actually feel good and have the correct space, like they need to have a relationship to each other that feels natural. If they're too close to each other, it will feel awkward. Um, if they're too far apart, maybe the player is, has a hard time reaching them. Um, and so I think we, we really realized, um, there's a intense simplifying process that we had to do. Um, we, we, I think we, our tendency was like, Oh geez, one device in a room, that's not enough. Like we need more, like the player, like we need to add, you know, that's where the value is. And by adding, but I think that, you know, I've found that the value isn't, isn't by adding it's by, um, making sure that what's there is so good and so immersive that um, the player doesn't, you know, doesn't even think about, I want more or this is boring or, you know, you know, <laughs> whatever they could, they could um, you know, pick apart, I think. And that's even a lesson I learned a little bit at, at destiny um, at Bungie, working on destiny. Um, I had a tendency to go really big. Um, and I still do actually, I still have a tendency to over, overscale my levels um and i had a lot of fun working on those levels but they weren't very well liked um and (laughs) that was kind of a bummer but at the same time it helped me learn that maybe what i'm interested in isn't necessarily um what other people are interested in or may not be the best thing for the game um and then it just led me to new interests right and then once i found a new interest i was you know I was excited again, and I I wanted to explore that. And so, like working on the Gambit maps, um, uh, let's see what was the shipping name. I think it was Emerald Shore, the EDZ one. Um, we tried to make that map as small as possible. We wanted it to be um, you know compact and tight. And you, and we did have a couple. We pushed and pulled a little bit in some areas, but um, it just made our lives easier. And it's a good map because of it. It's a simple, small map, and we didn't have to like um agonize over you know solving big level problems which um you know depending on the engine you're in can really be a pain in the butt um right well speaking of the tools and
1: um switching engine i forget what 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 moss was built is in unity right or is it
0: we're in unreal
1: okay unreal yep so oh that's helpful but like as environment artist, you know wrapping your head around. Kind of developing for VR. That the first challenge, well, the challenge for the first game was was basically doing that, right? right. So now I imagine the second time around, you're you're you have a better grasp of how mm-hmm. to do this. Um, wh- mm-hmm. What kind of things are are you trying to toy with now that you didn't have the opportunity to do with the first one in, mm-hmm. in terms of environment building? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I didn't work on the first Moss. Um... But I think I think it's it is very much a continuation of the of the strategies in Moss One. Um, I think we are we're we're trying to build in more um, more scale. Um so we're we did scale up some of the spaces that you'll be in. And so to accommodate that, we've built a new feature where it's not a room load. You're not actually not going into a whole other diorama. You're just, um, we call it a camera cut and you camera cut to a new position where you can see the level from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And that really opened some doors for us, um, to, um, yeah, evolve the formula a little bit. Um, more devices as well. Like there's so many interesting, cool things you can do with um, just simple machines. Um, That uh, the designers have made some really cool new devices, and then new enemies, of course. Um, I think there were so many ideas on the cutting room floor of Moss One. It uh, it was pretty easy. They they had a backlog. They um, exploration, um, you know, growing the scale, and then providing more interesting things for Quill to react to, for you to react to. You know, the game is all about you know your bond with Quill, and it's. Quill's the, sh- the star of the show, and so, um you know, in my interview with Rick, he, um, he, we were sitting at a cafe, and it, there was a coffee cup there, and, and he was asking me what sort of considerations do you take into account when you, um, you know, build a level for characters? So like, what are you thinking about when characters are, you know, in your level, and as you're working on it, like, what's running through your mind? And my answer was. Okay, like I got to make sure that there's no um, collision in the ground that they get caught up on so they, you know, stumble and look dumb. I got to make sure that they can path correctly. Got to make sure the monster closets and the spawns are all set up. He's like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't care about that. Uh, I don't know if he said that, but like he, he's like, what would Quill think about this coffee cup? Well, how would she react to that? How would she react to, you know, us being here? And that, really like, I was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all about building character and building personality. It can't just all be focused on Quill. Like she needs a big world to go explore and, and play in. And, um, and the bigger, and the more exciting that world is for her to react to and to, um, you know, be in, I think that the more excited the player is going to be to, to see her reaction and to experience it themselves.
1: Hmm. So the you know, VR has finally, I feel, um, stabilized, right? There was this big boom, excitement. Everybody wants it uh, to to work on VR. VR, I think, still is one of the funnest type of, you know, new devices for game developers to play with as well as gamers. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 years, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the new systems are out now. It's more of the same, same mm-hmm. controller layout and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to kind of hear, like, your own personal prospect of mm-hmm. where that is leading to, you know, where I feel mm-hmm. like AR if anything is starting to get back into the conversation, which obviously pushes VR stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, being a developer now in that space, pretty exclusively, I'm, I'm kind of leaning on you to kind of tell us like what's new in the world <laughs> of VR yeah. that you're seeing that you guys are taking advantage of. and um Oh, what the next couple of years look like? Um,
0: yeah, for for that th- space, a big new invention that I think is going to change everything is going to be eye tracking. Um, okay. Once we get eye tracking, um, the possibilities are. Um, I mean, we and eye, eye tracking technology exists. I think just once we have access to it, um, which we are starting to get. Um, it's still, you know, some ways off before
2: it's, um, you know in a product but that will change um you know like we'll be able to build mechanics around where your eyes are
0: looking um mm-hmm. i have no idea what those mechanics would be but it sounds pretty interesting to say like okay like and, and so much of of moss one development like if you go back and um listen to what chris and corinne said in their gdc talks um so much of it was um,
2: um Oh gosh, now I'm blanking on what I was gonna say. <laughs> I lost, lost train of thought. Um, okay, we're talking about eye tracking, right? So it's about leading the eye, right? Yeah. Like, um,
0: you know, when you can literally be doing this, and 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 you're supposed to look at something like a little, you know, glass piece of something glass on the ground. Um, they had to use a lot of techniques to to direct the player's attention, and so I think. Just being more aware of the player's attention and then being able to um, build mechanics and rewards or punishments off of, you know, games that use player attention and eye tracking, I think is going to be really interesting. Um, That'll be VR focused. um, Or maybe not. Maybe AR will be able to do it. But those glasses, you know, the Facebook Ray-Bans, like those yeah. will probably be super simple, right? Like I don't imagine we'll be playing games on those. Um, I imagine maybe like, maybe we'll get, uh, you know, maps, you know, like Google maps or something. Um, we'll see. I don't know. But um, I'm definitely excited for um, the ability to create more immersive experiences. I mean, VR is the most immersive media we have. Um, I think I, I like the touch controllers. I think, I think they're, they're good. I think, you know, you still need buttons, I think for a game, like we haven't gotten to the point where we know how to make games without buttons. Um, so we, we're still, we still have some constraints, but, uh, I think, I think the hardware is the, the touch controllers are are, are starting to kind of, Um, find a standard. And that's good. I I like that because it just makes it easier to ship games. And then the eye tracking is going to be huge. And then for AR, uh, we were just having a conversation about this in the office yesterday. Um, I was thinking about this study where... um, You know those traffic signs that tell you your speed? Um, Those have been proven to be the most effective way to... Get people to slow down, um, and it's all about real-time feedback. If you can present people with feedback in real time, and then also give them a very like almost trivial way to to use that feedback and make a good choice, people are going to do it almost every time. And I think what AR, I think the big allure of AR to me is like imagining that kind of real-time feedback on everything. Like imagine a dating app and. Someone also has that dating app, and the you know the app tells you, "Hey, this person was looking at you longer than normal. Do you want to send them a message?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's weird, and it's a little like uh, you know uh, big brothery in a way. But um, I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's impossible to say where we're gonna go, but I think it's gonna open up um, a really exciting time for human growth. And development, and um, just because I just know that you know, we as human beings, we love we love information, and we love when that information is relevant, and we love when we can act on that information immediately um, to make about be- to you know change our direction for something that we desire. Um, and so, I think that is um, I think that's going to be a really exciting toy <laughs> to play around with to see what kind of entertainment experiences can we build with this, and can we. We unlock new joys and new um, uh, just new ways of telling stories um, that are novel that have people haven't seen before um, and I think that's that's what you're talking about it's like where is the novelty where is where is the um what's gonna get us hooked and um, I think it's gonna be content um i think it's it's gonna come down to content and it's gonna be a rush i imagine I, I imagine there will be like if and when it it explodes and becomes a you know a marketplace like the app store, right? Like imagine an AR app store. Um, there could be a tech boom there, where a lot of entrepreneurs and and innovators in tech, we um, might see. And this is just this is a coolie theory, right? Like mm-hmm. don't don't take this uh, too seriously. But um, I could see it happening. Like I could see it going in that direction, and then you know, having sort of like a resurgence of indie,
2: um, you know, indie developers building cool stuff. Um, I mean, that's, that's where I would like to see it go. I think all paths
0: (laughs) it's going to lead to (laughs) advertising. (laughs) Unfortunately that is, yeah, that's, that's true.
1: (laughs) You look at this Coke ad long enough. Right. Uh, but I agree. It's kind of like yeah, f- for those who are new, you know, I track if it, it feels like it's like a like a point cursor, right? Um, that allows mm-hmm. the 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 player to kind of uh look at a certain area and for designers, artists to kind of build some experiences around that, which is it is another level of control, which actually can be pretty cool, but mm-hmm. it opens up new doors and mm-hmm. is one of the biggest complaints I think with current console and future console generation. We're still used to that layout, button layout. Yeah. Um, and, you know, PlayStation should try to do certain things where you can move the controller back and forth, but very minimal effort. And, um, you know, it's back to Nintendo trying to push that a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And they seem to be the ones that 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 have been carrying the torch for a until basically vr ar stuff started coming out right. i really want to see more implementation of those um you know haptic gloves i think that's an totally. extension of our hands you know i know mm-hmm. facebook is trying to do a lot of that stuff with using your own hands but you know being able to vibrate and feel touch and stuff is in in the virtual environment i think it's a huge huge thing I and i will so say too. this i will say this mm-hmm. One last thing before before I keep interrupting you. Oh, As yeah. an environment artist, I find great joy about VR basically promoting environment artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like finally, characters totally. takes a backseat. <laughs> and environment yes. and the surrounding matters again. Uh, because for a while, there's like character artists is like with their, mm-hmm. you know, 8K textures for eyeballs and stuff. So, like, what's going right. on here? So, all these yeah. texture resources. <laughs> It got yep. kind of ridiculous <clears throat> at a point. But yeah, as soon as you put a VR, every that's the first thing I look at. It's like, wow, I feel like I'm in this place. Mm-hmm. And for you know, there's a whole level of appreciation of, you know, I spent forever in this corner making that. And then in VR you actually appreciate that, you know, in on a mm-hmm. flat screen, you just walk by it. So mm-hmm. uh yeah. Uh um, very true. I'm hoping AR, like you said, is um because I, I do feel like the two arvr will eventually merge into one mm-hmm. at one point they're just mm-hmm. technologically uh kind of held back a bit right they're they're still progressing right um uh, but eventually yeah once we have the ability to kind of play chess virtually together across mm-hmm. from each other i think it's going to be a whole new whole new arena of um gameplay experiences mm-hmm. and um uh, yeah, it was a, a definitely game changer when Facebook acquired it and mm-hmm. basically put a lot of commitment behind it. And then PlayStation themselves have found a lot of success with their thing, mm-hmm. um,
0: and Apple as well. And is, Apple is doing I think their thing. Every every big player is in it in some way. Yes, um, which should, which is kind of a sign. Um, and especially if you were to, I'm sure the the price tag isn't isn't small so
1: yeah um. yeah I, I think there's a i know people are still stuck to their phones or their mm-hmm. at home setup but if you can still be around people and project like a virtual screen and and play uh-huh. um i i really do think that's the feature in, in in a lot of ways and um it's very exciting because I do feel like, you know, we're, we're similar in age. So like for a very long time, it has been just flat screens and yep. a console. Right. So mm-hmm. it's nice to kind of be kind of there when this kind of blossomed, because to us, yeah. to me, it's like, this is our generation's thing. Like we've been, yeah, uh, you know, the console uh, and everything else before that we're kind of, Pushing along our, our previous generation of creation, but VR was our thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. VR yeah. is our thing, right? So it's, this it's is our bubble great. to catch. Exactly. Our wave exactly. to catch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously, there's a lot, right, of um, mm-hmm. devices out there. Mm-hmm. And just like any other limitations for any other console, there's a lot of, different ways to build things and keep it optimized. I mean, Moss is obviously very stylized, so mm-hmm. you guys are already pretty optimized, I assume. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. When it comes to that, which is a large part of being a builder, um, how, how, how much is that day-to-day that you have to think about in terms of having a main console and then mm-hmm. the iterations of it, uh, making sure that it runs without taking you know, a big hit on visual?
0: yeah i think the stylized thing is real is a real nice kind of you know nice thing to have in your pocket um we don't think about it too much Mm -hmm. or or at all i think game development is so hard as it is um to add another layer of like oh make it fun and perform it like that's that's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not a good time. Um, it's killing
1: your and, babies, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you want you want to like you know I think it's it's a uh, you, you want to make sure that you're not like signing up for too much. I think like you can certainly get yourself in tech debt and like you know or have a perfect game that it just is a real pain in the ass to to figure out. Um, I think in especially for indie developers, it's um, it's a challenge right it's a big big challenge that all indie developers fight with um, and if you're i think that I think the time to start thinking about perf in production is when it's breaking your play tests if it's blocking your play tests because you can't because it's so perfy that your play tester is you know is not getting like Bullets are skipping, or like you know, you're dropping frames, or something. Then, then it's time to figure it out. And it doesn't need to be a perfect fix. It can be a quick fix. Um, ideally, it's a quick fix that just gets you back to the play test. Um, but yeah, it's it's a challenge. I think um, you know from the start, if you can have a you know you know satellite view of your game and and kind of define the, the properties of it a little bit, um, you can hopefully do an exercise to kind of um, you know, time box yourself and uh, scope out just what can you actually accomplish. Um, my like rule of thumb for scoping is take what you think it's going to take how long you think it's going to take and multiply it by like two or three, <laughs> <Yeah>. probably three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, I like having time for stuff. I, I hate having, you know, uh, a ton of stuff that I have to do. That's, you know, up this episode is sponsored by mudstack
1: for all the artists out there that are working within a game studio big or small you're going to need a great collaboration platform custom built for the digital artists that's where mudstack comes into play it's a special version control review platform custom built for individual artists whereas other source control feels like it's being built for software engineers mudstack is geared towards artists so that collaboration gets even easier and the only thing you need to concentrate is on your game itself and not the software so do yourself a favor go to the solution built just for you the artist, and get started for free in just a few minutes at mudstack.com that's m-u-d-s-t-a-c-k.com Did you know the top 10 mobile games in the US gross more than $340 million in June? Do you want your game to earn more? AppFigures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may already know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now AppFigures can help you keep track of competitors and the game market. From how many downloads they're getting and how much money they're making to their audience demographics and even which tools they use to power their games. Their competitor intelligence gives you great context. Got a great idea for an app or a game? With app figures, you can figure out how big the market is and how much money you could be making with it. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news. With App Figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads, and that's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your game or building a new one, App Figures has what you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. Best of all, you don't need a large budget or data science degree to do this kind of thing anymore. App Figures has made it affordable and simple. On top of tools, App Figures also provides a lot of guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. They just released a free guide on that, actually. Head to appfigures.com forward slash on forward slash dev unchained to try AppFigures for free. Again, that's appfigures.com a p p f i g u r e s dot com forward slash o n forward slash dev unchained to try it for free if you like it use our special code gdu thirty thirty to
0: get thirty percent off for the next three months for me it's it's you know it's a it's a preference um of how i like to work but um I really do like to have um, the focus beyond iteration and um, play testing when we're in development. And then once we get to that point where, you know, we're finished complete and we're fixing bugs, then let's go in and hammer on perf and get it shippable. Um, and thankfully, yeah, Moss is, is pretty cheap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we don't have a ton of verts, which is good for quest. Um, and we don't also don't use a ton of normal maps. Like there's uh there's a few. I mean, yeah, we we do use normal maps on a lot of stuff, but it's we can get away with um pretty low res textures, pretty simple textures, and a lot of times very simple materials. Um, um we I mean we we use the whole suite, but um, you know, for certain things, it's um we can we can keep it simple, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: back to kind of like we were talking about before, you kind of have this like dual purpose as an environment art as well as the level of designer. In a lot of these cases, um, one thing that a lot of listeners or or people out there don't realize before coming in the industry is that you know those things are separate, right? At least mm-hmm. for the bigger studios. And then uh, yeah. a lot of those meetings are, are basically trying to play nice together and, and be a team <laughs> and have that synergy with that level designer of your environment artist to yeah. kind of meet in the middle a lot of the times, uh, unless you have that perfect pair, which rarely happens right it's all it's all especially yeah. when doing multiplayer levels it's designers are kings like well that doesn't sound very fair um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah like how was that i mean like um mm-hmm. I, i'm sure you, you're still talking to the lead designer about what the ideas are and there is some mm-hmm. kind of blueprint but mm-hmm. after that what, what what does that look like or from block out to finish like how much of that is based off of your decision or is it a, a set of guidelines that you have to stick to, to kind of not go too crazy and, and still have it all done in time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: With Moss two, it's uh Moss book two. It's very much, um, it's very much a, um, we have a pretty senior team which helps um but it it's the designer builds the um the block out they evaluate it in play tests and they sort of get to a point where they're happy enough with it yeah and at that point the level is design complete in a way um placements are good um you know it's it has all the, the the markup that it needs to function you can complete the level and it's fun um so, you know, it's like those boxes have all been checked. And so my job at that point is to um, first is just to play the play the room and really understand what the important pieces are and then try to try to um, not only build the, the the level around those pieces and make those pieces feel like they belong in the world, but um, also tell a story in the environment um, to explain to the player what's happening in the world and and why even come here, like what's important about this place. Um, um, One of the cool things about Moss book two is um, we are taking you to so many different environments. Um, You know, we did a snowy environment. We're doing a, you know, cave underground, we've got beautiful gardens, of course, um, castle interiors. um, And it can be really tough to take a, designer block in and get it to fit in all of those different um, yep. scenes and palettes. Um, and I think that's really where a lot of um, environment artists struggle, myself included, yeah. um, is rationalizing the BSP and the, and the mass out geometry and, and making it make sense. Um, yeah. And a lot of times where I start with that is I will try to, Try to find a few key descriptors um, to give me a. So I'm not just working with a blank canvas. Um, like if there's, if it's a simple room and there's you know a door on one side and a door on the other side, like I might decide to just make it a bridge. And it's hmm. like, okay, bridge, cool. I can work with bridge. I now I'm looking up reference. Now I'm you know kind of turning on some ideas. Um, and so. Yeah. Getting kind of like, it's like kind of blur your eyes a little bit, look at the space, like, what could this be? And a lot of times it's like, oh, it's, it's blown up. (laughs) It's, uh, (laughs) it's destroyed. Um, but, and sometimes it's nonsense. I I think that's totally okay. Um, you know, sometimes you have to make some nonsense architecture and players don't notice. Um, You know, maybe a few uh, very observant players will will pick it out, and they'll be like, "Oh, those columns don't line up, or that's that's not load bearing, (laughs) or something like that." But um, for the most part, you know, it's it's about lighting, you know, music. Like once once the game is put together, you know, it's magic, and um, players will forgive a lot, and so. Um, uh, but it still is a challenge and every every artist that I've worked with and and myself included I've struggled with this step a lot and um sometimes if you get stuck on it, like some of the best artists that I know who kind of get over that hump the fastest are people who are just beasts at <laughs> on the keyboard right at the workstation they just fly they're yeah. fast they you know they're efficient um they they know where all of their you know, content is, um, and they, they don't really care. They're just like, Oh, like let's add an edge loop, boop trim, like up oh, different material up here. And like let's add another trim here. And then they'll look at it and be like, wow, that looks like shit. <laughs> Sorry if I can't swear. But, and then it's they'll like, like okay. work on it again
2: and,
0: yeah. you know, do another iteration and, and, and then they're done and they'll move on. Cause they know that, you know, they're going to put decals on it later and it'll be fine. Um, yeah. but it's tough. It can be really tough. I think knowing when to move on,
2: right, is a big part of that too, Um, which just comes with time and experience, I think. Um,
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think um, there's always seems to be, I guess with any content makers, not just environment, but environment, especially if we make a lot of stuff that gets thrown away, right? So there seems to Mm -hmm. be like a, a good balance um, between the two of um, you know the super dedicated the one that are like um, all in you know make this look perfect and I don't care how long it takes how mm-hmm. much energy it burns this will look perfect right and then the other school of thought is like it's more like nihilistic it's like everything will be thrown away <laughs> so let's get there as fast as we can so that when it does yeah. get it, it'll throw away uh, I didn't invest that much time into it. so Right.
0: Uh, I got a two-year-old at home.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And I have met yeah. those two artists, you know, and I kind of yeah. do kind of respect the latter a bit where I, I basically just say, oh, that's a professional. <laughs> this guy mm-hmm. has been through war uh, to the point where, you know, the scar tissue is so built up, he doesn't feel anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I'm kind of still like, The newbie side where like it hurts, you know. I I spent so much time (laughs) and it's, you know, we got to ditch everything, you know. Uh, So many times uh, uh, talking to designer, exactly. It's like, it's like you can't do that, it messes up with the gameplay. It's like it's a box, you know, it's (laughs) right, yeah, it's a hallway, you know. (laughs) No, but it's supposed to be, uh, it's like it's nothing right now, (laughs) but you can't, you can't protrude past these four walls. It's like, all right,
0: yep. Yep. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's very newbie,
1: newbie still. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. I, I uh, argue, yeah.
0: I always, I always feel that, and I think that's one of the reasons. Like that pain that you're talking about is one of the reasons why I wanted to go to a smaller team. Yep. Um, is so I could be more involved up front because I feel like a lot of times when stuff gets thrown away, it's you know everybody knows it sucks mm-hmm. and a lot of times you can't really point a finger at anyone. It's like, well, you know, we got the go ahead, you know, we thought this was safe. We, you know, understood, maybe there was some risk, but you know, that's, that's the decision making that happens every day in game development is what's ready to work on. Um, can we, can we finish this or not? And yeah. yep. um, sometimes we have to finish stuff that's not quite ready. Yep. Um, but if you've got a team where, um, you know, your artist can actually do that, Lockout. Yeah, they actually know how to do the markup. They can do very simple blueprint scripting to hook up the devices and hook up the transitions, and you know, essentially get to that design complete checkbox. Um, then the artist can just own it, and you know, essentially be work it do the the design work as a as an artist, but um, move it through the goalposts um, in the same way. And that's kind of my dream. I would love to be at that point. I'm not quite there yet, but I think maybe for the next next Moss project, um, you know, I I joined Polyarch in August of 2019, mm-hmm. and I was working on a different project for about six months before I joined the Moss Book Two project, and so I didn't have a chance to um, do as much pre-pro. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's definitely like a pre-pro um, kind of, uh, and that would be a lot of fun. I think is just working in, in gray box with designers and just prototyping tons of levels. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah that, that's why I'm always interested. Um, it will never happen at a big studio, but like the best designers that I ever worked with have always had some type of artistic eye. And I'm talking about a small percentage where it's like, Oh, you kind of understand mm-hmm. the realism to the space. Uh, and that just helps the process. And of course, the opposite is true with a designer who's just, I'm a designer. Take this and make something with it. <laughs> get out of my face. <laughs> i mm, go get some coffee. Totally. I was yeah. like, what is this? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what this is. What you I got a document about? pitch to review. <laughs> All the proportions are wrong. It's like, what is this supposed to be? Right. And those are the nightmare scenarios, you know, where, um, yeah, a lot of it are handed over in the planning stages. And I get it. It's game development. Uh, but I do feel, you know, not trying to sound biased, I do feel environment art are always at the blunt of undecisiveness from the designer. <laughs> and we're we're yes. building so much in, in, in such a fast amount of time yeah. that it, it should hurt us the most out of everybody when, mm-hmm. when the level is cut, right? Out uh, of mm-hmm. everyone you know a character yep. sure but it's no nowhere near a level i'm sorry man Yep. <laughs> it's, it's nowhere true. near
0: nowhere it's near true. where we suffer uh, a yeah. level has a big tail too right yep um all of the audio uh all of the tests that needs to go into it um
2: so it's uh it costs a lot and it hurts a lot and um yeah yeah Well, that's why I'm also, you know, with
1: monster, there's a diorama aspect of it, but like, um, you know, uh, artistically kind of, um, going to VR, like, I feel like there is a challenge. It is a lot more responsibility because every corner you can see the faults in it, where on a flat screen you can hide a lot of that stuff, Mm -hmm. but everything's front and center in VR. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel, uh, I would love to kind of ask you this. Do you feel that pressure and extra pressure of everything kind of need to look sort of pretty good because it,
0: it's right there in people's faces a lot of times? I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised in that. Um, I mean, Moss just looks good in the headset, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, Chris and Mike and Corinne and James and all the artists at polyarc have, Done such a great job with the palette. Um, they they're so experienced. They they you know they just found the right answers for a lot of it. And um, and so it's it's nice to it's nice to be able to just build lighting and just mm-hmm. put the headset on and be like, damn, that looks good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, a lot of it is lighting, um, but yeah, the style of the game really affords us um, to be able to get away with things that I don't, I w- I'm surprised that we're able to get away with. Um, for example,
2: we use the same rock assets from Moss one and they're, they're, they're fine. They're
0: fine. They're, they're good, but they're not great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they're just round rocks, right? And it's yeah. Cause they don't need to be great. They just need yeah. to be little round rocks. And, like we use those so much uh, yeah. we use like the, the the cuttable grass so much um, we found a like a, a a system that works, and so it's at this point it's just kind of like the formula it's just doing the formula it's
2: just um, the the creativity is is um it's still there, but it's more about like. It's like
0: coloring in the lines, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to put yellow here and red here and okay, next. And then like, all right, over here, I'm going to do something else. Um, and Mike Jensen, our art director has been really great. He's kind of the, he's like the Vanguard. He's out front, um, you know, kind of doing a lot of the um, the tough stuff, but then also setting a lot of the, the style and setting the bar. And um, I always like working on a level after he's done a level in that area, because i see what choices that he's made and it's like oh cool okay i see how he's resolving this here and it's like oh he really didn't do much to resolve this seam like Mm -hmm. i don't even see it but i would have probably spent 30 minutes doing you know making another you know piece there or something um so that's pretty cool to be able to to like lift ideas from the art director um they're all character guys Mm -hmm. like um Chris and Mike and Corinne and James all started, um, yeah, they, their careers were character focused until they got to Polyarc, but now they're, I mean, they're just good artists. So um, environments came naturally to them. And there were some good level design chops on the Moss design team. So uh, they really they found a, a good working relationship. And um, that's really what you want with your designer. You want that that good, easygoing conversation to, you know, not to be, uh, you know, too tense, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be like, Oh shoot, we got to go solve this, this problem. Like it should be fun and it should be easy as much as possible. Um, and that's, that's my, that's my mantra. That's, um, my, my mentor at Bungie, he, he was always trying to instill in me that the best way to work with a designer is to have them standing right next to you, telling them what you want, and then your level being malleable enough to be able to do it in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've tried to kind of take that philosophy and, and kind of put that at the center of my collaborations with designers, um... Like one thing that I did that helped that at Bungie, because we don't have BSP tools um, in the Bungie editor was I just built a bunch of cubes um, and just blocks, right? I built Legos. I built a huge kit of like (laughs) a thousand pieces of just simple primitives. Um, And then I built a shader system that allowed us to just allow the designer to really quickly pick a material assignment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I designed the snaps in a way to use, um, you know, as chunky of a snap as possible, so that it was easy to move the blocks around, and um, that really helped us. That helped us a lot because um, we could build an entire level, um, you know, in an afternoon in a couple hours, and the designer is just sitting there looking at the screen, and I'm working, and we're whiteboarding, and um, and that's fun. Like that, that can be a lot of fun, and then and then that. One afternoon is you know we're ready for a play test after that, and we just did a ton of iteration um, even before we got to the to the play test and where we can get you know external feedback and make even more iteration um, and so that's that's my advice there uh, it's it's been it's been more fun I think when you can when you can collaborate um, and share and share the decision making process I think that's you know one of the great things about game development is just how collaborative it is and we get to work with a lot of really cool people and so um you know being able to share the the joys of of creation together is um is it's where it's at Mm -hmm. uh i know one of the biggest uh
1: decisions that you made to kind of go smaller is to kind of look at the overall scope of game development as a whole, you know, right now we're we're still talking about environment, but are there other sectors that you had the ability to kind of dive to design, maybe being one of them, but other areas where you're like, we're able to do it professionally uh, versus personally that you've been enjoying being on a smaller team.
0: Yeah. I've done a little bit of character stuff. Um, I've done some, uh I've never used ZBrush in my career <laughs> at oh, Bungie. Wow. So I know, right? that? Which is kind of true. I right? don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a it's great cool. tool. I yeah. um yeah, I I've been really enjoying getting to know how to use ZBrush. Um, holy cow,
2: what an intimidating program. Um, mm-hmm. um but um let's see what else. Um I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, so what
1: the zebras? That's that's pretty damn interesting. I mean, in in a lot of ways, I think zebras and environment art has kind of been overblown for a long time. I know they have a lot of heart surface tools and all that, but mm-hmm. like, um, uh, obviously, you got through with it without having to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But I think until recently, because of Unreal 5 and Nanite and all this stuff. Right. Now ZBrush is cool again, I think. And it actually <laughs> yeah. is practical because you can just mm-hmm. import that in. Uh, so this this sudden itch, was it out of necessity or was it just something that uh, time to toy with it a bit? What was it? Was the situation that made you finally like, Hey, I, I can, I can use this as far as my rhythm.
0: It came from a, a conversation with my manager. Um, in my interview with Polyarch, one of the things that I talked about a lot was my desire to become a more well-rounded game developer. And so my manager was looking out for tasks that were sort of entry-level-ish or just easier uh, character tasks. And so one of the enemies in the game had a blockout model, and, but needed to be finished. And so I had the opportunity to take that model um, to completion and um i still need to texture it um i did like a quick texturing pass in painter but um yeah that that was great that was i mean being able to do that on the clock i mean that's really what i want to do because um you know i think we all feel that pressure to grow right like the i mean you just go into art station and you're just immediately like yep I am not nearly as good as any of these people, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, but and that's okay though, because we—I mean, we all like game development. You know, the value that we add isn't always just the image and the content. It's you know feedback and morale and um, you know advice and and so um, measuring measuring value by just output of like image
2: on a screen alone, I think is you know isn't fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I got to, I got
0: a chance to do a lot of blueprint blueprint scripting as well, which I really enjoyed and that definitely, and I think, um, the next opportunity that I have, I will be actually fully like officially 50% design, 50% art, um, for the project that I worked on for the six months after I started, um, I built a, um, Sort of a level construction system where um, we needed basically tracks, and so I needed to um, you know figure out how to, and we wanted to be able to customize them, and so um, I got really into. Um, I just actually just looked up a YouTube tutorial from Zach Parrish. It was the the racetrack one, and um, I started with that, and then just you know took that and and edited it, made it my own. Um, tried a bunch of other stuff added new like bought some, I think I bought some marketplace assets and was playing around with those as well um, like that's the kind of stuff that I would never get to do at Bungie um, I mean working on gambit was was really lucky um like working on a brand new mode was like um that doesn't come around very often um so I was, I was very lucky to be able to have that experience. And then after I had that experience, I was like, ah, shit, I
2: just want to do this (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Mm Um, um, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh,
1: I want to thank you for for surviving an hour with me on this, this. Uh, episode.
0: <laughs> it's been an honor to be on the show and represent Polyarch. You've had some incredible guests, so oh,
1: of course, man, you're you're one of them. Uh, so yeah. like, as always, uh, this is the uh, the hour mark where I kind of shut up and the mic mm-hmm. over to you to kind of tell the good people out there how to find you. What you mm-hmm. want to promote, uh give attention to any causes out there. Uh this the show floor is yours, man.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, hello, good people. Um you can find uh Polyarch on Twitter at Polyarch Games. Um, you can also check out our uh YouTube channel. We have our Moss Book Two announcement trailer on there if you haven't seen it yet. Um we are Hard at work uh, finishing Moss Book Two, and um, it's going to be coming to PSVR soon. No announced date yet, but that is coming, and um, we can't wait for all of the players to get back into the world of Moss and see Quill again and see where your adventures take you. <laughs>
1: awesome man that is as good as any that I've ever heard Uh, Moss is amazing Uh, you know Richard been on several times and uh, it's one of the best VR games I've played and and seen I I just love the art style and um, there's definitely shows a lot of love that you guys put into it so for er for everyone out there go check it out Uh, if you haven't played it get primed with the first one and get ready for the second one that's coming around the corner that's right but uh, yeah, everyone, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, see you guys all next week. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps Champs, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com